Greetings, this is Father Thaddeus. You will notice that some of Father Timothy's audio in the middle of today's episode might sound different. We had some technical difficulties, and we've done our best to make it more audible to you. So we ask your forbearance and patience during that part of the episode today. Thank you, and God bless. Welcome to Keeping It Marian. I'm Father Thaddeus. And I'm Father Timothy. We are two Marian priests, and together we join Mary in keeping the Word of God and the events of our daily lives, pondering them in our hearts. Today, we're keeping it Marian by discussing the letter of St. Jude, a letter that's not too commonly read. <laughs> that's right. And uh, for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit has moved us to start at the end of Scripture practically instead <laughs> of at the beginning, like you know, some might think. Yeah, sometimes uh, in our homes, in our <clears throat> houses of the congregation, we have prayers before meals. Sometimes guys joke when they want to do an extemporaneous prayer. They say, okay, let's start. In the beginning, <laughs> go straight back to Genesis. So we're right next to Revelation, which will be the next topic. Uh, but this is a pretty short letter, short and sweet, but it packs a, a pretty powerful punch. Uh, obviously, I like it because, well, my patron is the name uh, of this letter. But also, when I read the first lines, I thought, oh, here we go. It has the word keep. Yes. I didn't even think of that or realize that until I actually opened the Bible up and began to read. So that was a little touch of divine providence. <laughs> telling you it's everywhere. It is. And then I, in the commentary, and we'll get to this, I read the commentary. There's a whole paragraph that says he uses the word keep as a motif throughout the whole letter. And I mm. began to almost laugh because I thought, well, if that's not a little sign of providence confirming the choice... Uh, I don't know what would be. Yeah. So uh, maybe we just start with the basic thing. Sure. I was kind of sad when I first read about, <laughs> well, who actually wrote this? Because right. you look at modern commentators and you often find the sad news that, you know, John didn't write John and, you know, Matthew didn't write Matthew. And the first line said, well, Jude didn't write Jude. I thought, well, that's depressing. <laughs> or at least not Jude Thaddeus the Apostle, sure, after whom sure. I'm, I'm named. Sure. Uh, and I thought, possibly. Right. Possibly. Right. So then I read a little bit longer and I realized, okay, not everybody says that. So uh, maybe before I jump into all the stuff I learned through these commentaries, I'll identify them. And no, no one asked me, no one pay, is paying me to say this, but just if you want to read along too, uh, these are good resources that I use for my own homilies and my own prayer. There's a Catholic commentary on sacred scripture uh, that I think Baker Academic publishes, and they have a lot of books out on the New Testament, and it's a solid Catholic commentary. So it uses the Catechism and uses a lot of our tradition as Catholics to give a specifically Catholic commentary. So I'm reading that together with Father Tim, and I also have uh, on Verbum, which is a program on the computer, uh, the Navarre Catholic commentary, which is from Spain, the Navarre University. And they have their own commentary as well that I'm looking through. And then the NAB, the revised version, uh, also has their little explanations, uh, though they were the ones that partially depressed me because they were the ones that said, well, no, likely it wasn't the apostle. I thought, oh, hopefully there's more to it than this. Uh, as with a lot of things in the history of the Bible, you know, we don't have like movies to go look you know, and see like literally who did what. Um, so this side of heaven, we can't know with that kind of scientific, let's say, certainty. But sure. uh, I side with the Navarre commentary <clears throat> that basically says there's good evidence to basically say it was probably the Apostle Jude Thaddeus. Sure. Because uh, they said it would be strange because the other option was this 
cousin of Jesus who also is named Jude, the brother of James, and middle of the Gospel of Mark when apparently they're saying, is that's not Jesus who, you know, whose relatives we know. Yeah. He said, well, but why would anybody name something after this guy? Because apparently he's not even that well known. Sure. He's not very prominent in the Gospels. So right. why would you, you know, go ahead and choose somebody who's lesser known? Right. Uh, if it wasn't actually the person that was, you know, kind of yeah. uh, reading that. And, and it's always, I find, very important to, while commentaries are very useful and helpful, Sometimes we can fall into the trap where we're just always consulting the commentaries yeah. and we forget the primary thing to do is to read the scriptures. Right. You know, the footnotes are great, you know, and not all footnotes are created equal. You know, I've seen some very peculiar and sometimes just heretical things in certain <laughs> Bibles. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how did this make it past mustard? But, right. you know, they're good to look at to kind of, especially when you're trying to find like a, a historical context mm -hmm. uh, for, well, what did this kind of word or what did this kind of reading mean yeah. for the people mm -hmm. of that time? Because uh, we oftentimes, <clears throat> even in our current day and age, when we see people saying and doing a certain things, for instance, on the internet, we don't know the context of their culture. We don't, and this is in the same time, right? You right. know, but. We, we simply take for granted that we know precisely what the intention, mm -hmm. you know, even people in our own culture. Yeah. You know, of course, we're yeah. not thinking about, well, what part of the country did they come from? What you know, we could just go on for 30 minutes talking about that. Yes. But, but it's <clears throat> good to, to have that balance to read Scripture with the Holy Spirit, to, to beg for light to come to our hearts, uh, to come to a better understanding of God's love for us, um, but then at the same time to look at other words of saints, mm -hmm. look at other you know uh, current theologians, mm -hmm. ancient theologians. All of that is part of the Catholic tradition and richness that that enables us to really delve into the Scriptures more and more. Yes, yes, and that's something from Vatican II, the dogmatic constitution where it talks about de verbum, the word of God, that it is the word of God spoken to us today. And so, you know, even apart from the historical questions, was it this Jude or a different Jude, for us today, no matter what, yeah. it's the word of God that God wants to speak to us today. And in the context that we're in in the church, even more, I didn't really think about this, but when I began to look at the letter, I thought, oh boy, yeah. <laughs> this is... How timely. Exactly. How messy. Do we really want to touch this one? <laughs> so... And, and this is what Mary does with scriptures. Yeah. You know, she uh, likely didn't go to some university to study, you know, historical critical methods, which, you know, no criticism to those who do. But, you know, she simply was in the temple to read the word of God as the word of God, as something that she had to live by, yeah. which is the very basic faith we're approaching this with. Like you said, it's good to have information. It's good to have a context because uh, without the context, we're, we kind of look at the scripture going, wait. What? Yeah. I sometimes joke when I was a kid, uh, I don't know why, I got this inspiration to read the Bible, which is a good thing. So what I did is every hour on the hour, I stopped whatever I was doing, and I literally just turned the page and I read a chapter. Now I got through Isaiah, and I had no clue what he was saying at times, but I, I persevered. And ironically, you know where I stopped? Mm. St. Paul. Mm. <laughs> I got to Romans. Okay. That's when I thought, I am so confused. I, I just gave up. Sure. And then I felt so justified when I got to Second Peter, and Peter says, 
Paul's letters can sometimes be hard to understand. And I thought, oh, it wasn't only my experience. <laughs> and he <clears throat> then says, you know, to their own demise, they misunderstand it because they sure. then misinterpret it. So, you know, being aware of the commentaries are helpful because uh, especially when I have to preach, you know, there's a lot of stuff that unless I have someone else explain to me, like, what does this word mean or yes. the context? I just kind of read over the sentence and don't understand, uh, which is why, you know, today, basically, we're just going over the first two or three verses. Right. Like, I'm used to, you know, when I read, like, okay, I'm going to sit and read for an hour, yeah. and I'm going to flip through, like, 30 pages. Sure. And something about the Word of God is, you know, each word is packed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, one of the things I remember reading in my theology was, we'd only say that Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit, but that it also inspires us. So those words were inspired by the Spirit, but those also words now, as we read them in the church and in our prayer, they fill us with the same Spirit that filled those who wrote yeah. the books or spoke the words. Uh, and that's where it's better to chew on less mm -hmm. rather than more, uh, because especially the commentaries, I realize, wow, there is a lot packed into one word, because right. then you unpack where is this else? Where else does this show up in Scripture? And there's a lot of connections. And that's where, you know, this idea of like keeping it marrying is the more you read all of Scripture, the more it all begins to connect and you realize, oh, yeah, there is a human author, but there's definitely a divine author. There's yeah. another person, the Holy Spirit, who orchestrated this with very different people and very different time frames. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's dive in because uh, I remember, you know, Right before we started, I kind of wanted to get a kind of ballpark idea what, you know, how many verses you thought we could get through. <laughs> I was thinking maybe about six or seven, and they're like, oh, no, I think maybe just the first three. And I'm like, but the first three is just the greeting. <laughs> it's just Jude saying, yo, what's up? How's it going? Peace to y'all. You know, I mean, but it's not. It's it's more than that. And so I was so thankful that you're like, no, no, there's some good. I'm like, okay, let's do this. Let's, yeah. So let's let's do this. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Okay. And um, you want me to just read the, the first verse? Yeah, go ahead. I, <clears throat> actually, it's not an I, it's a one. That's fine. Uh, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. There's the word. That's right. But I'm not going to start with that. That's right. So there's much more before that. So. <laughs> so, I mean, I jumped the gun just talking about the author as if it were kind of a abstract thing. But, That's right. you know, the very first word here is mm -hmm. his name, hence why we're bringing up like, okay, who is, who is Jude? Uh, for those who watch The Chosen, you mentioned this. Uh, I don't, do they, does, is there a scene where Jesus actually calls Jude no, Thaddeus? so the in the in the chosen series, the first time that I can recall seeing them is actually the scene where Jesus preaches from the boat. And if you pay attention, which took a few viewings, you know, as I've watched it with various people, I never saw them the first couple of times I watched that particular episode. But they're right there in the crowd. When of course our focus is on Peter, because this is the moment when Peter's all flustered, you know, and, and Jesus is like, dude, can I borrow your boat? I want to, you know, talk to these people. He's like, okay. You know, but in that moment, mm -hmm. you see Jude Thaddeus and James just amongst the other people wanting to listen to the words of Christ. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm like, there they are. But mm -hmm. then, of course, was, you know, we, we find out in the chosen as well as what's implied by scripture is that they were first 
there to see the baptism mm-hmm. uh, of of Jesus. You know, so they were here the first there to hear John, you know, the Baptist preaching, uh, but not realizing that this is this crucial moment in which, you know, the the Lamb of God appears. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, they were well in a very real sense there from the very, very, very beginning. Right. So. Which is in accord because if you if we correlate these, I mean, I scripture scholars may tell me I'm conflating people, mm. but they're are suggestions that Jude Thaddeus was actually like a blood relative of Jesus as well. And so you know, perhaps just kind of knew him already, let's sure. say from Nazareth. And, That's right. And believed him when he already was beginning his ministry. And so in one sense, kind of was a natural kind of pick, as it were. Um, I'm always happy when I see him on The Chosen because I'm always like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Even though, of course, I know it's just, you know, an actor. Um, Jude, from what I understand, is simply the name for Jew. So it was a very common name, and it's the same name as Judas as well. Right. Uh, so often you'll find in Catholic prayers, you for know, for the tribe of Judah. Right. You know, right. So that's why we call them the Jews. Is yeah, because they were all the northern tribes were exiled and never came back, uh, and the tribe of Judah was the one exiled to Babylon and then did come back. So Jude was a pretty common name. Catholic prayers you'll see. Uh, like say St. Jude Thaddeus, whose name is often confused with the traitor <laughs> and hence often identified as Thaddeus, yeah. which is kind of like the surname from what little I understand at the time. It's kind of, they had a Jewish name and then like a Greek name yeah, because uh, that was the common language for marketing and, and daily business. Uh, and Thaddeus, so there's a little two cents, not necessary for the Bible study, but it comes from the Hebrew Aramaic word for heart. So, uh, talking about kind of like a, a bosom buddy of the Lord, like someone who's close to his heart. And often you see in iconography St. Jude with like an image of Jesus, which was associated with the Shroud of Turin, like the idea or the Veil of Veronica that mm-hmm. he brought this to the king of Edessa for his conversion. Um, and also by extension, the name means kind of courageous, one who lives from the heart. So those are things. When I ask for prayers at the end of the episodes, uh, certainly, Ask St. Jude for his intercession for me, I would say, in a particular way, that I can live up to the name, you know, and the mission uh, that I've been given through that. So the very next word, servant, Mm -hmm. uh, doulos in Greek can mean both servant, slave, uh, and it also can mean, in this context, worshiper, which I was intrigued by Mm -hmm. in of our commentary. Uh, When I read it, like you, I just jump over these lines, kind of like, hey, how are you? (laughs) And you move on to the meat and potatoes. Yeah. But uh, a servant refers to those who are close to God, like only Moses, Abraham, and I think David in the Old Testament got that name. <laughs> it was a huge thing to be called a servant of God. And in the Old Testament, service of God is often referred to in terms of worshiping God, those who worship the living God. And so something that they pointed out in this commentary that I thought was neat is if you're a servant of Jesus Christ, then you worship Jesus Christ, which means there's already an implicit statement of Jesus is God. Like we're not just talking about this man who lived and died and we think is, you know, a good example. Cause you'll hear that today. You know, like, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah. He's a good, yeah. He's a good guy. That's right. Um, You probably know this better than me. The CS Lewis, when he said like, if Jesus was a, Oh yes. Yes. He uses the, the argument that of all the options given to us, a good man is not one of them that he either was, uh, who he said he was, that's your your first option, uh, or he was a lunatic, or he was the devil himself, because he did perform miracles, he backed up, yeah. you know, and he was in fact claiming to be God. In fact, 
I once got into an argument early on in my conversion with a good friend of mine, and he was just like, he was just a revolutionary. That's why the Romans killed him. I was like, well, he was a revolutionary, but he was a revolutionary, not just a, a thorn in the side of the Romans, but more so a side mm-hmm. in the status quo mm-hmm. of the the Jewish priestly class and what they thought you know, or what they expected. Like so many people thought that the Messiah was going to be. And of course, Jesus appears as the Messiah, but something radically different, yeah. more profound than than human capacity could have ever conceived of. Um, and because of that threat, and because of himself naming himself as God, yeah. as we remember, that's what, what uh, Caiaphas tears his, his garments over. It's like, look, we don't need any more. Right. You know, people to come in and, and condemn this man. He condemns himself. Yeah. So, yeah. like, that's the whole, you know, to, to argue. So, yes, either Jesus was who he said he was, or he was just off his rocker completely, which doesn't exactly explain all the miracles that he was doing. Right. Right. Or was this great deceiver? Those are your only options. This nice man thing, not an option. Right. You know, and and that is a, a an important. Um, <clears throat> distinction or something to think about, you know, mm-hmm. because we are so often, I think many people throughout history, but in, in our time, they don't want to feel silly. They don't want to feel dumb. And so when they don't have an explanation for something and they're confronted, like, do you really think that Jesus, the person was really God? And right. it's like, well, I never really thought about it too much. I mean, I, my faith tells me so, but I'm going to say no, yeah. you know, and I mean, we could do that all like the real presence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, that clearly that's, you just think that's a symbol, right? You don't really think that, you know, it's like, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Bishop Barron's famous quote, uh, I can't remember the author. He says, you know, if it's a symbol, to hell with it. Right. <laughs> yes. What's the point then? You know? uh, Flannery O'Connor, I yes, believe, yes. Was, yes. was who said that. Thank you. And and right. And, and that's to, it's like, well, that's just scandalous language. And it's like, well, exactly. Right. That, that very idea that we've been literally worshiping, going back to worshiping a piece of bread, well, literally to hell with it. But I don't believe that. I do believe what Jesus said when he said, this is my body. You know, so these types of things, you know, um, that we do gloss over, whether they're greetings in a a letter or or tenets of our faith, dogmas of our faith, doctrines of our faith. And of course, there's many different levels of all these different things. Um, This ultimately is the type of stuff that is worth pondering on. Um, It was once attributed to Chesterton, and I don't think he actually said it, but I've never been able to find out who said the quote, but whoever said it, it makes sense that we argue so, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but we argue so passionately about faith or religion and politics because at the end of the day, those are the only two things really worth arguing about. Yeah. Of course, theology is dealing with our eternal, mm-hmm. you know, end, and of course, politics is how we can well coexist right. here on this earth. Everything else—football, <laughs> books, movies, music—while important in certain you know degrees, they're not gonna you know right. change necessarily you know uh, the 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 direction of the human soul or a, or a group of human people. Yeah. Um, and so, again, like, this isn't something that we can uh, take lightly. Yeah. That we should we should really, with fear and trembling, you know, approach these things um, with a, a desire 
to come to worship, to be a servant and a disciple of Jesus Christ. Yes, and that connection, you know, <laughs> we'll see if we even get to verse 3 at this rate, but uh, <laughs> we got a long, lot of episodes ahead of us, so that's fine. But uh, for me, thinking about this idea of a worshiper of Jesus Christ is so often we think of like service of Jesus Christ, because sometimes in the church you see this like flattening out of what it means to be a Christian. Well, I do social service kind of things, like I help the poor, which is good. Like yeah. I, when I was a novice, I helped out missionaries with charity a lot because yeah. it is part and parcel of the gospel. But being a Christian above all is recognizing this is the God man. He deserves my faith, the allegiance of my heart and my worship. Uh, and as Catholics, like that does mark us mm -hmm. that we gather at mass to worship Jesus. We don't just sing songs to him, though that's good, but we worship him above all in the Eucharist. And we worship him especially in adoration, which is no small thing, you know, because like you said, and we talked about like, oh, it's you know, a symbol or any number of things. No, it's not just that. So I point that out because we can reduce like servant to just doing things for him, yeah. which gets to like the Martha and Mary thing of like, we can be doing all sorts of things for Jesus, <laughs> but there's something more to being a Christian than that. So that's just something I think I'll leave as kind of a question, you know, that hangs is how does our worship of Jesus express itself as Catholics? Like for those people who are closer to adoration chapels, like, do you make use of that? Like how much time outside of mass do you go back to just be with him? You know, he is Lord. Uh, and just a minor note that servant is also the way Paul identifies himself, you know, servant and apostle. So it doesn't necessarily mean here that, well, since he didn't say apostle, you know, this isn't the apostle. So continue to brother of James. So this is, I think, James the Lesser, if I remember correctly, the one who's martyred in 64. It's one of the three pillars. So Peter, James, and John, like the transfiguration, the agony in the garden. Uh, so he was a big figure. So related to him, whether blood brother or, because sometimes the words can mean like cousin, uh, but clearly there's some blood relation there. Uh, then to the second part of the very first verse, to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Christ, for Jesus Christ. So first, uh, Jude uses a lot of what are called triplets. So we'll find these kind of sets of three. Uh, don't have right before me all the others, but as we go through, we'll recognize like that's one of the kind of hallmarks of this letter is there's always a sets of three. Actually, verse two has it. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. So <laughs> there you have a second one. Um, but here you have, so, so those who are called, the Greek behind that is the same word for church, because church in Greek, ekklesia, means those who are called out. Uh, and it originally referred to the Hebrews who are called out of Egypt into the desert and into the promised land. And it refers to all of us as well, who through baptism are called by God to form part of the church, that it's God ultimately takes the initiative. Sometimes people ask, like, well, why join the church? Like, why should I be a part of the church? Like, I can be, you know, spiritual without being religious. And that's actually one of the, the themes of this letter without using those words is authority. And there's a kind of high word antinomianism here, like people who are against authority. And that's like a big thing these days of, like, they want to be close to God, but on their own terms, not under, you know, Bishop so-and-so or not under this Pope or not, you know, but that's part 
and parcel. And you know, why be part of the church? Because God called you to it, not because we thought of it or we like it, but God's the one at the initiative. You're shaking your head, so I, I'm thinking you got something going well, through your mind. Yeah, the, the word authority is one of those those words that, that people just bristle at. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and perhaps it's because of, you know, our fallen flesh, mm-hmm. you know, especially in, in context of, of us being, um, well, Americans, mm-hmm. and, and probably so. But part of the American spirit is an independent spirit. Yes. You know, I'm free to do, you know, well, what I want to do. At least that's one take on, on what freedom is for, right? Um, and so placing oneself under an authority, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it sounds kind of counterintuitive. It's like, no, 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 we, we broke free from all of that. Yep. You know, that yep. But, you know, this, uh, you know, the, the church um, and and well, what Christ has, you know, set up. Mm-hmm. But even before that, you know, as God was, it wasn't a democracy. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, everything was under the authority of God. And one could argue that that was, well, the problem of Lucifer. Right, right, like, yeah. I will not serve. Yeah. I do not want to be under your authority. And, and God just kind of like, well, there's the door. You know, I don't <laughs> want you to leave, but right. this is the way it is. You right. know? And and if, you, if anybody thinks about it, I've seen so many people rail against hierarchy and authority mm-hmm. but i mean anarchy is is chaos it is and perhaps yeah. people think that chaos is good but when they're in the midst of chaos they're longing for structure mm-hmm. and order and you know it is like you don't get those things right unless you have a hierarchy of some sort uh you know that there are authorities to mm-hmm. go you know so we have to always fight against even the word servant and slave can be a trigger, understandably, for right. many people. But we have to do our best to prayerfully kind of say, okay, well, what is going on with this? Is this always a bad thing or is this always a good thing? Right. You know, and, and to, to really allow the Lord to well to speak to us on that level and, and help us. I mean, I've heard it said many times that we're all slaves. We either were a slave to some sort of sin or addiction or worldly power or even worse, a demonic power, a sin to our fallen flesh. Or we go ahead and submit right. to the Lord Jesus and we become a slave to him. Right. You know, because, well, we're one way or another, you're going to be a slave. And so it's like, yes, be a servant of him. Yeah. And that goes back to the word that you're mentioning. So this is a servant of Jesus Christ, which for Jude and for many of the apostles, Paul included, it was a sign of honor. Like they didn't think of it as a, a negative thing. Because understandably, especially as Americans, you know, servants and slaves have a very charged meaning because of how mistreated you know, slaves actually were. And I, you know, can't sugarcoat that in the least. But we're not talking about that because obviously Jesus is someone who treats us infinitely better. He died for us. And so obedience to him frees us. And this is. I would say, again, of the essence of what it means to be a Christian is to be called. All of us were baptized. I mentioned this in our vocation story episode. You know, all of us are called. It's not just like, oh, yeah, I have a vocation because, you know, I'm I'm a priest, you know, or you are because you're religious. It's all of us are personally called, known. You know, Jesus mentions that in the Good Shepherd in John 10. And so it's both a blessing, but it's also a limit because then if he calls me, 
it I have to respond or decline, but right. there's no longer this neutrality possible. So it's either for or against, um, which I think many people dislike because they just kind of the big problem today is just the apathy. They just want to imagine they can just kind of do their thing without even entering into the question of God, um, which just is impossible. Just to not even want to enter into it is to basically deny the call. Um, so that's something I, I just wanted to hit home is that by baptism, all of us are called. And not just once, but anew each day we're called. There's a line um, from Isaiah. He uh, speaks into my ear each morning. And I, sometimes it's my own little thing, but I think of like when I awake, it's God the Father like asking me to arise anew. Like it's not just, oh yeah, well, of course we wake up biologically speaking, but it's God like himself taking the initiative. And I'll get to the next word in a second, but I just want to say one last thing. When you talk about authority, is uh, there's a Latin phrase called abusus non tolit usus. Abuse does not take away use. You know, we don't, uh, we tried this in the US, but you don't ban all alcohol because people get drunk. You don't, I mean, if that were the case, then you'd have to ban all food too because people can overeat or water. <laughs> so, I mean, it would be endless because sin, by its very nature, abuses anything that's good. Even Aquinas addresses this right he, he's like you can't just nickel and dime laws right you know that there has to be like obviously you can say don't kill somebody mm -hmm. i mean obviously the ten commandments is a, is a wonderful template right of, of where to start but there has to be if you if you just control everything then there isn't a freedom yeah. to basically go ahead and and answer the call yeah. of grace yeah. and so thinking about like what you said about order, creation in Genesis is basically God putting order. He's separating, saying this goes here, that goes there. This isn't this, that's not this. And like you said, when you start doing away with distinctions, the name of total equality, you don't get beauty, you get disaster, you get chaos, you don't get harmony anymore. Uh, and so it's just something to keep in mind. Has there been abuse in, in hierarchy in the ages past? I mean, popes who had mistresses even in the Vatican, yeah, I mean, there's been all sorts of crazy stuff that's happened, but that doesn't mean that abuse takes away use, that God, in his mercy, chooses to use the church and institute hierarchy as a divine thing. That's something that he chose to institute. So we'll get into that more as we enter in, but that's, you know, there's a lot packed into that idea of called, because it's not just called personally, it's called as a community, called in the church. There's no other way of being called. Beloved in God the Father. So... That's a powerful word. We think about uh, baptism when Jesus was baptized. You are my beloved son. And what Jude is saying here is that that's extended to all of us, that this particular predilection, that God doesn't love us just because, oh yeah, he's love. He can't do anything else <laughs> kind of thing. Because I've gotten that sometimes as a priest even. Like people are like, you know, yeah, you're kind to me because well, you're a priest. Like, you know, you would not love anybody. Uh, and I'm kind of like, well, okay. I mean, that's true, but it's not like it's just an an automatic robotic thing. You know, like I personally love, like Christ, the people entrusted to my care, you know, and, and parents know this, like with their kids, it's not just like, oh yeah, son number five, you know, <laughs> you know and go through the, the routine. It's, yeah, this is my particular unique son or daughter. Uh, and in the same way, beloved in God the Father, you know, we are his unique son. And there's that movie we watched that you invited us to. Was it After Death? Uh, it, just recently it came out around Halloween time. Yeah. Um, which I believe is going to be streaming soon. But yeah, 
um, which, you know, for us Catholics, we don't talk about as much sometimes because or when I was a kid growing up, we um, channel 14 was the Protestant channel. So, you know, it would always talk about like the end times and how do you know the end times are coming and, you know, here are all the ways it, that, you know, and get prepared. Uh, and as Catholics, sometimes we just kind of like, well, you know, at some point. And I would say, no, we don't maybe need to be crazed about it. But the point here, like, what is the goal of our life as Christians is the the Jesus we worship in the Eucharist, one day we're going to see face to face, whether it's at death or his second coming. And there's a beautiful sermon by St. Augustine that I remember every year it comes around uh, in November for Liturgy of the Hours is, you know, who are you? I mean, he's pretty blunt. So I think my, this isn't the way I say things, but he, he says, you know, who are you to be afraid of Jesus's coming? And he adds, perhaps you love your sins more than you love Jesus. I think, ouch, <laughs> truth, but like, let me sit with that. You know, that often when we think about the second coming, you know, what's our first reaction? Like, well, give me 10 minutes to go to confession. You know, <laughs> let me like change a lot of stuff. And, and I think that's somewhat of a healthy fear too of like, okay, well, if there's stuff you would say that you need to do in 10 minutes, then why not do it now? You know, procrastination, big in kind of psychology today when we talk about like, people who procrastinate to the last moment. And I think there's a healthy, not like terror fear, but a healthy fear like we are being kept safe for the day of Jesus Christ. And if you're like, yeah, that is, that's the day for which we're living, period. That is the, the end of it all. God wants to protect us, uh, but he also gives us free will. And we can choose to remain in his protection. And I know in my own life when there's been sin in my life. Part of what I've experienced is I leave that protection. You know, like uh, in Adam and Eve in the garden, what happens? You have where uh, they're in the garden obeying God, but then once they disobey God, they no longer have harmony and they no longer have the garden. They enter into the desert. And it's a beautiful image, not just like some punishment that God like throws a fit and he's like, Why'd you do that? And he <laughs> chucks them out, you know, because he's frustrated. It's that's what happens. Like when we sin, we leave his protection. We leave his keeping care. And the beauty of scriptures is he never stops keeping us. Like even when we abandon him, when we totally leave his care and we expose ourselves to Satan and to the temptations of the world and death and all the suffering that that entails, but as scripture show, he still keeps us, as Psalms say, like has the apple of his eye. And that, at least for me, is very encouraging. Like As long as we're in this life, he's keeping us. And Jesus says in John 10 about the Good Shepherd, like, he keeps us in his hands. And he says, and no one can take my sheep from my hands, uh, which ought to inspire a lot of confidence in us, in the face of fears, in the face of all that's going on in the world, because uh, so often I think it's easy for us to look around at the news, you know, like freak out. Yeah. Because <laughs> all this stuff is going, you know, wrong, <clears throat> and hell in a handbasket. And what I think is helpful with scriptures is it reorients our interior gaze. You're like, yeah, all that stuff is happening. That, no, I can't deny it. But where does my gaze need to be? Like Our Lady keeping it, you know, keeping it married. It's keeping my gaze on the truth. Like all that other stuff is like tea with a uh, truth with a little T. This is truth with a big T. Like, this is what I can stand on. This is what I ought to keep focus on. And God, who's my father, who loves me, who calls me, 
he's going to keep me safe in the midst of this. And I think that's a necessary message because there's a negative fear that I think a lot of Catholics have today. They're really afraid. And, and we'll get into those other things, but maybe we'll just leave this as kind of a, a cliffhanger <laughs> so you come back for the next episode. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of fear when we talk about the synod, a sure. lot of fear when we talk about things that Pope Francis has done. There's a lot of fear with all sorts of things. And I think that we often jump to theology and spiritual stuff. I think there's something to just be said, like, we need to just face, we're afraid. Sure. That's a very human reality. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. All right. You know, it's a, it's a human emotion and part of human life. Yeah, and that's perhaps just my own encouragement for myself, too, even in prayer, and as we conclude today, uh, is, you know, can you access, where are you afraid? Where do you need to feel kept safe? Where do you need to feel like you're going towards you know, the Lord, but the Father's protecting you for that day where you meet him face to face, not just in Holy Communion, you know, but but either at death or the second coming. So there's a lot packed into that. You know, how do you approach death? How do you approach the second coming? What do you feel when all those words come up? And we can unpack that more as well in another episode. Um, but that would be the thing I kind of want to leave, leave the people listening sure. uh, with. So. I don't know if you have any last thoughts. No, just to, to press in <clears throat> on those moments of fear. It, it um, When those moments do present themselves to us, it's the way I see it always an opportunity to turn to the Lord Jesus, you know, to perhaps call to mind the divine mercy image, mm-hmm. which has on there, you know, Jesus, I trust in you. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it is a uh, something that a pra- it is a prayer. You know, so you can feel free to be, you know, Jesus, I'm scared, but I trust in you. Mm-hmm. Jesus, I'm stressed, I'm trusting you. Jesus, you know, whatever, you know, and then end it with, I trust in you. Um, because that's what he's aching for. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's what he wants, but he's desiring, he's yearning for us to come to him with all of our issues and problems and mm-hmm. fears and hopes and joys and, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, no, there's a, a series that I'm doing now on the web, Inspectio Cordis, a gaze into the heart. And my hope with this, too, is like that this really engage our hearts, like not just be head knowledge, but that all of us are able to engage. What does it mean, for instance, if this is the word of God to us, that I'm called to be a servant, a worshiper of Jesus Christ, that I'm called personally, that I'm beloved by God, that I am kept safe in this time for Jesus Christ. Uh, so it's not just like, oh, these are neat words that someone wrote, but this is the word of God. This is what the Father wants to speak to you today. So we'll leave you just with that verse. That's a lot to unpack, but maybe chew on it. And then uh, next time we'll try to get through a few more. <laughs> so I'm Father Thaddeus. Yeah, I'm Father Timothy. This is Keeping It Marian. We ask you to pray for us as we pray for you. Immaculata Virginis Maria Conceptio. Seed nobis salus et protection. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to watch it as well. You can find the video version of Keeping It Marian exclusively on DivineMercyPlus.org, the streaming site for all things Marian. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. 
If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.